Hello? Yeah, Bill. Yeah, this is him. You ready to record? Uh, who is this? It's Paul. Saul? Paul. Saul? <laughs> it's Paul. You remember we do a show together? Uh, I think you might have the wrong number. I don't know a Saul. <laughs> it's not, this is not Saul. This is Paul. Saul who? All right, I guess somebody's meds are off. Uh, talk to you later. Uh, okay, bye. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back to the bins. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spitaro, and today, Dr. Bill Robinson's role is being played by Chris, the, the hair metal hero, Tyler. Wait, wait, where's my Mountain Dew? And Scott Gardner will be played by Al Sedano. Hey, how's it going? Perfect. So what's the H stand for, Al? <laughs> what the hell am I doing here? It's close enough, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, you know, we, this is the second week in a row that I'm supposed to record with those two guys and life has gotten in the way. And last week, Gene Hendricks stepped up and jumped in and today Chris and Al have jumped up. And, and when I say stepped in, I mean totally. And when I say they're playing the parts totally because Hero in the role of Bill doesn't have a book Mm -hmm. and Al is actually doing the book that Scott was going to (laughs) do. So you won't notice anything different. Not at all. So it's it's definitely taking on their roles for today. <laughs> so we have book, bookless hero and strange independence Al. <laughs> Thankfully, I read it. <laughs> so, and any anything new in the world of comics for you boys? <clears throat> um, not in comics. I did pick up a couple of books though, um, regular books, not the funny books. Uh, I did get the official behind-the-scenes book for Stranger Things called Worlds Turned Upside Down, which is a, it's a nice presentation. It looks like an old, beat-up library book. And if you're into that show, uh, you should get the book. And you should listen to my podcast, Cast Protection, where we cover it on, on the show. Um, <laughs> I do, I, I do, got, I listen. Yeah, we got some stuff. Recording again tomorrow. This is another patented Cast Protection commentary coming. Uh, I did also get the first official novel for uh, Stranger Things called Suspicious Minds. And if you're going to name it after one of my favorite Elvis songs, you know I'm going to be buying it. Well, now that, I'll tell you, as a listener for the show, because I'm probably never going to read the novel, mm-hmm. I would I would want a very spoiler-filled review on the show, but just give the warning ahead of, ahead of the review mm-hmm. so that anybody who wants to read it knows that you're going to spoil uh, we will certainly be doing that. Um, as soon as uh, David and Jonathan get through the book, 
we will be doing an episode on that as well. We are going to cover the comic book as well. So lots of fun have, stuff coming uh, down the pipe. Do we have a release date for season three? July 4th. Oh, it's coming fast. Okay, cool. And it takes, yeah, it takes place during the summer of 85. So that means that it, it will come on while I'm down in Florida, which means I probably will have some time, you know, after we're done with whatever we're doing during the day, at night, to sit and episodes. watch a couple episodes, well, you know, right yeah. away, which will be cool. Yeah. Ooh, I'm all I'm, excited uh, now. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited, too. So that's that's something definitely that I'll be looking forward to. Nice. How about you, Al? Anything new? Uh, actually, yeah. I did a Kickstarter a couple months ago, and it came in yesterday. It's uh, from Ominous Press, uh, Black Book, The Art of Jim Starlin. Mm. So Jim Starlin did an art book, and it's pretty. Very is it, pretty. Is it all cool stuff. original stuff for the book, or is it you know stuff through the years? It's uh, a mix. There's some stuff through the years. There's some convention stuff. There's some... Uh, there's like a cover creation of like Warlock uh, 13 that he did for somebody. Uh, there's apparently a, a short uh, Shazam story he did for a couple years ago that never got published. Ooh. A pitch for Jim uh, Starlin on Shazam sounds fascinating. Yeah, yeah. it does. Yeah, there's uh, stuff from Hardcore Station. There was some Captain, uh, Captain Marvel, Mongols, a whole bunch of really nice stuff. So I got to actually have a chance to actually, you know, read it, read it. I just kind of flip through it. But it's nice. Plus, it came with uh, I got two prints: a Dreadstar one and a Thanos print, which is apparently uh, from his original concept sketch. Ooh! So he looks. If you you thought he looked a lot like Metron in the first issue he appears in, he looks very Metron there. I remember. I'm trying to remember. The first issue was in Iron Man, correct? Yeah, Iron Man fifty five. And I remember him just looking much, much more rounded instead of so bulky. Uh, yeah, leaner, right? Leaner, and, and like I remember his head being very round. Yeah, because the original thing was he was kind of copying Metron, and according to well the lore, you know, Joe, Roy Thomas told him if you're going to copy the new gods, copy the good one. <laughs> mm. And that's why Thanos later on kind of looks more like you know is more of a dark side type character. Yeah, that's a good point. But uh, yeah, I, I I definitely I remember the way he looked in that issue, and I'd be curious to see the concept art if it's even a little further. Stray from what we know now, and it also came with an infinity gem. So I now have the mind gem. Ooh, I could use one of those. I'm a mind, a mind gem is a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> yeah, as he I'm said, just that to how to get it on my head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> my brother suggested super glue, so I'm going to try that Ooh. later. All right. I, I by all means, I would recommend that. <laughs> nothing, nothing could possibly go wrong. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure Kim would be impressed by it, too. Oh, yeah. I'm sure she would. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I can just picture the conversation as, a, as we're talking. Like, really? Really? What, what the hell is wrong with you? You get the gym. What am I your forehead. You go into bed at night with a gym glued to your forehead. All right. I don't even want to take that one any further, though. But anyway, yeah, nothing really new for me. I'm still going through some older books, reading my uh, West Coast Avengers run when I get the chance here and there. I'm, I'm in the John Byrne part of it now, which is cool. And, I, I you know, I, I thought I had read that at some point, but now that I'm reading it, I don't think I ever had. So it's all new to me. Oh, that's all the Vision stuff? Yes. Yeah, they just, uh, they just found his totally... Uh, dismantled body 
and they're debating whether or not they're going to be able to put him back correctly and whether or not his, you know, the whatever uh, backup re- uh, recordings of his mind, uh, I guess, algorithms or whatever it is, are, are still intact enough for them to bring him back to normal. I'm sure we'll be seeing some vari- air variation of that in a couple of months in the movies. Yeah, I would imagine we will. And uh, we're getting closer and closer to that, which I'm really looking forward to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've already put him for off that day. <laughs> I can go early. I'll, uh, at some point, I'll get my tickets early, and then I'll probably take a half day. So I guess it's time to hit what we brought today. And I've got the first book. I've got the Marvel. And it is... Thor number 169 from October of 1969. Uh, the cover uh, by uh, Jack Kirby, George Klein, John Romita, and Mori Koromato uh, shows Thor at the center kind of flying diagonally upward. And just directly behind him is a blank silhouette of Galactus. And then all around that are various images of Galactus kind of through his, I guess it's through his existence. Uh, and those are all in a kind of a blue and white, blue, black and white uh, print. And it says, The Monster and the Man God. The story is written by Stan Lee, penciled by Jack Kirby, inked by George Klein, lettered by Audie Simic, and edited by Stan Lee. And I'm going to read a synopsis that is brought to us courtesy of the Marvel database. Now, uh, but, but by way of history, uh, I believe it was the issue before, it may have been two issues before, Odin had some sort of a problem with Thor and for his penance sent him to... Uh, Seek out Galactus, who was, I guess, his mortal enemy or whatever. Uh, and they, they mentioned that he's, you know, his power rivals Odin's. And the issue before this, Thor met up with Galactus, who made it clear he wasn't looking for any type of confrontation. And he started to show Thor a background of this spaceship that crashed on a world occupied by at least one of the Watchers. Uh, and the par- the people who were within that spaceship were all deceased uh, due to some sort of space plague. And then we pick up with this issue and uh, and the synopsis from the Marvel database. Deciding that Thor is worthy, Galactus tells the Thunder God of his origins, starting from the very beginning. Galactus continues his tale where he left off, how he was aboard a ship that crashed before a member of the Watchers, how that Watcher found the entire crew had been slain by some strange plague, all except one a strange being that was glowing with energy, one whom would soon become Galactus. Thor deduces this and sends Galactus into a brief fury. However, he calms enough to explain how he came to that point. Galactus explains that he originated from a utopian world known as Ta, an advanced civilization that knew peace for many years. However, the planet would soon become doomed as its people began succumbing to the creeping plague a sickness that was killing countless alien worlds and was now infecting the people of Ta. With the people dying in mass, a group of lone survivors decided to leave their world and fly their ship into the heart of the largest star they could find so that they would die in a blaze of glory. Things would not happen exactly as planned, as the ship would be bombarded with by a burst of radiation that would engulf the ship. 
While most of the crew died, the being who would one day become Galactus would find himself absorbing the energies that would cause him to change into something different. If it was this being which the Watcher would find when the ship would finally crash land on some distant world. The Watcher would analyze the creature and learn that it would soon need to consume worlds to survive. However, as part of the Watcher's code, all the Watcher could do is bear witness as the new being would repair his ship and the uniform of Galactus and then fly off into space. There, the newly born Galactus would reshape the spaceship of his rebirth into the incubation device that would be seen during Galactus's first recorded appearance. With the story done, Thor decides that Galactus is too much of a menace and prepares to attack, even though Galactus has no desire to fight. However, before Thor can strike a single blow, Odin arrives and tells Thor that his penance is done and that he is needed on Earth, and teleports Thor, telling the Thunder God that now is not the time for Galactus's destruction. On Earth, Balder and the Warriors Three confront the Thermal Man, who is raging across New York City unchallenged, and find themselves easily defeated by the robot's limitless strength. However, as all seems bleak, Thor arrives. Witnessing the destruction, he prepares to fight the Thermal Man himself, and the story is continued into the next issue. So I thought this was pretty cool, you know, to kind of get, uh, you know, to get some history of Galactus. I know they did a. Uh, they did a, a book, a one-shot, where they kind of changed this story, but yeah. reprinted it. Yep. And it was called, like, Supervillain Classics. Something, I think that was the title of it. I have it somewhere. And they, they changed it slightly. Uh, and, and one of the things, and even on the notes on Marvel, the Marvel uh, wiki, says uh, Galactus's origin would later be modified. The story of Galen, who is the character who becomes Galactus, will then be retold as having happened in a universe before ours. So, but I thought it was interesting. I thought the artwork was good. I, you know, some some of Stan's hyperbole in the story is a little, I don't know, stilted. <laughs> uh, but over overall, yeah. I really enjoyed rereading this one. I had read it years and years and years ago. And uh, I'm curious, have you guys ever read this before? If so, what you thought of it? I hadn't read this origin. Um, I was familiar with the the Galen origin, and I don't remember where I gl- I picked that up from. So this was a certainly interesting for me especially since it's got the kirby yard you know i'm going to be taking my time looking at it but uh no this was good this was a i'm, I'm glad that, i'm glad that you picked this book because i had not read this origin hmm. yeah same thing i mean i had not read this before i had read again the other version where he's from the other uni- uh, a previous universe but so I haven't read, I, and I was kept waiting for it to show up in this one because I'm just so used Me to too. knowing that that I'm like, well, where's the part about the universe ending? Because at least that does deal with the fact of the plague, because the plague kind of just goes away. I'm like, well, where's this plague that's going through the universe and killing everybody? Then what plague? <laughs> <laughs> it's it served its purpose. Now it's done. Yeah, but and Kirby's stuff here, especially like when he's doing Ta, is pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. first full-page splash when you see Ta, that's just amazing, with all the people in the thought bubbles flying around. Yeah, I, I thought that, I, I agree. I thought, well, that's that's one of Kirby's specialties, is creating oh, yeah. just these fantastic places. Uh, the artwork is interesting in this one, because uh, George, I'm not really that familiar with George Klein, actually. I'm used to more, more of Vince Coletta inking his stuff, or you know, if, if we're really lucky, like get somebody like Joe Sinnott in there to do it. Uh, some Some of the facial details i think could be better but other than that i think the artwork is really you know it's typical kirby of this era 
and this is a time when I thought Kirby was you know, really hitting on all cylinders uh, for the most part. And like you say, Ta is just beautifully drawn throughout. Uh, I had a point, but I lost it in my uh, <laughs> my minimal mind here. I, I you know I, some of it I just you, some of some of like uh, Stan's dialogue like almost just doesn't do justice to the pictures though. Does it really need to? And you, you know, it's such a visual medium. You you just you flip that page and you see that epic vista of the future world of the past, and it's you don't really need any purple prose. As as I went through this, I kept picturing you know I could, there's, there's the watcher there watching this all go down, and uh, you know basically saying you know I can't interfere because that's my code, which is you know which is accurate and all. And I kept picturing the during that first Galactus story when. The Watcher and Galactus are like standing face to face and talking, and you know, even then the Watcher's kind of just like, "Well, I can't do anything. You're gonna destroy the world," and you know, he's secretly sending the Human Torch to get the ultimate ultimate nullifier. But it it just kind of seemed interesting that you know that there's a history between the two. Yeah, or if, even if that is the that Watcher, because it might not be Uatu. No, I don't think it is a Uatu. I think they said it's. I think even the Marvel database says it's a different Watcher. Hmm. Uh. Mm. Although I do like that this watcher is consistent with Watu and all the other watchers. I cannot do anything. I must watch. But I'm going to take you from where you are and move you to my ship. And, you know, I'm not going to do anything but just study you. But I'm going to study you here where I want to in the comfort <laughs> of my home. But, oh, well, you want to leave? All right. Well, I'm not interfering anymore. They always do that. They always find ways to, inter- to not interfere by interfering. Yeah. But uh, in the, on the Marvel uh, database, it says the watcher is named... I'm not sure exactly how it's pronounced. S e e c c e. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. And, and now I'm going to click on. I don't know. There, there is a, a link for him. I'm going to click on him. No. Uh, yeah. E c was one of the watchers. He witnessed the birth of Galactus and was an ancient ancestor related to Uatu, the watcher consigned to watch over Earth. Well, there's a shallow gene pool. They all look the same. How, yeah, how can really? you tell? <laughs> it's a, here we go. Uh, first appearance: Thor 168. Last appearance, Origin of Galactus number one, oh, which okay. is in 1996. So I guess in the retelling of this story, his character gets uh, named. a name. Maybe that's the one I read. I don't know. I don't know which version I read. It's been so long. I just known Galactus's origin so for so long. I don't know where I know it from now. I just do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of. I, I kind of picked it up in bits and pieces, but I did eventually pick up that superhero, supervillain classics book, which I believe that was the only issue of it, was the retelling of the origin of Galactus. Yeah. Now, the art is the best part of this. The story is good, although I do think that the changing of it to be the previous universe makes it a little grander, makes Galactus more than just a cosmic villain. I think yeah. they also yeah. change, if I remember right, they do change it to make him the collective of the prior uh, race, as opposed to just one who survives. Maybe I, I thought they I thought they did that. I could be mistaken. Which is also the kind of the origin that was given to the uh, stranger at one point, and also the Overmind. If you read, oh uh, god, yeah, that. If guy. you read the Fantastic Four issues when the Overmind first appeared, which is around one fourteen, one fifteen, one sixteen, around there. Uh, and they give the origin of him, and and I, at that point I thought he was still a pretty good villain. It wasn't until later that they turned him into kind of a doofus, but uh, <laughs> but he was the collective embodiment of whatever world he came from. And the stranger is ultimately the one who put him down, 
and he had said, you know, like you were the collective of your world, I was the collective of mine. Uh, so I don't know if that was a, an origin that stayed with the stranger or if that was just kind of what they had him say in that one issue. I think they did away with that. I think Gal- I think I think now Galactus is the only one who is like that again. Because let's face it, otherwise they keep going that way. They'd be like uh, pre-crisis Kryptonians. Yeah, Krypton di- destroyed, but everyone's still alive. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, that other universe destroyed, but don't worry, we have a person for every world. <laughs> Actually, that'd be kind of cool. Maybe like a big cosmic battle thing with that. That can be fun. Uh, great. So Marvel's gonna listen now. We have another crossover. <laughs> I agree. But I, I definitely agree mm. that the. Uh... You know, the artwork is is definitely the up point of this book. I think the story is not bad. You know, it's not bad at all, and it, it is kind of a you know pretty epic beginning for Galactus. I think some of the stuff that's going on, the the side story with this uh, thermal man, is kind of just feels like a waste of time. And <laughs> I, I, I I didn't read the next issue to see how Thor deals with him, but it didn't really feel like I cared to be honest with you. <laughs> Yeah, kind of came out of nowhere. I was like, oh, okay, next story I guess we're going into. <laughs> and we're over. Done. But you're you're right, though. I mean, I guess, you know, if I had not known the other one before, and this is the first time, I probably would be pretty more impressed with the origin than I, than I was. But because I knew of the other one first, this is like a little, this feels a little lesser. Mm-hmm. In it context, does, I agree. But yeah. in context, if I was reading this in 69, it probably would have been mind-blowing. Yeah, you've only got, a you know, five years of... Galactus so far, so it's I'm sure it was a, a, a big deal when this dropped, you know Yeah, yeah, and then uh, eventually I remember right around the time I started collecting comics Galactus comes to Thor I, I don't, I think this uh, I think that it's a continuation of something that happens here, there's a point where I think they fight Ego the Living Planet, and then later on that happens in around Thor 224, somewhere around there that I've not read Thor. Pre, old Thor is kind of a blind spot for me. I haven't really got too much into Thor. I mean, really beyond when I started reading, which is right at the pretty much the same time uh, Eric Masterson became Thor. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's before, <laughs> before that. I just kind of knew vague bits and pieces. Yeah, that's well, like I said, that's about the time when uh, when I first started collecting. So it's you know you get a little memory burn on some of that stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. And I'm looking at a, what's page 16. I don't know why, but like all of this is going on around the Watcher. If you look at the bottom panel, and yet he still has to have his robe draped over his arm. Like I don't know, it just seems funny to me. But hey, I guess when it's... you get that, when you get the linebacker body and and the baby head, you can do whatever you want. That's true. Watchers are very fashion conscious, especially because they all wear the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you know, you have to have your own style. You know, I wear my cape roped around this arm. Well, I have it t- tucked up this way. <laughs> I have a fluke back here. <laughs> Otherwise, it's all like, oh, look, I like each other. They're like, hey, Bob. I'm not Bob. <laughs> well, you look like Bob. No, I don't. Look, I have a, I have three wrinkles on my forehead. <laughs> and my cape's to the right. Bob's is to the right and folded in a triangle. Damn it. <laughs> so they, they also just... To get... <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, to to kind of give it an explanation, they also kind of give you that he creates his Galactus uniform uh, to help to kind of focus his power. Yeah, you know, which which kind of explains the giant 
gold post head that he has. Yeah, you know. Hey, if you're gonna give an explanation, it's as valid as any. Mm-hmm. It's it's something. At least it's 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 not. Well, he does that because he thinks it looks cool. You know, they're giving like, you at least a reason. Yeah, I like the moon boots myself. That's my favorite part. Yeah. So does that mean when he first came to Earth, he was actually better regulating his energy? It's why he was wearing shorts and short sleeves. I like the fact that he had a big G on his belt buckle. When yeah. He came to Earth. I think I, I love that look too. <laughs> I won't lie. <laughs> well, the first thing out of Earth, he, he was observing it. The first thing he saw was Texas. Pretty warm there. I should put on my galactic shorts. <laughs> but he's looking everywhere with like, the belt buckles. Don't they have like the big belt buckles there? A lot of people are like, yeah. that looks cool. I can do a G1. Yeah. Style it. <laughs> hey, should have worn, worn his Galactus 10-gallon hat. <laughs> isn't, isn't that basically what he's got, though? It's huge. His, his head is like that a, big. It's more like a top hat. <laughs> You know, he's got to look good when he gets here. I mean, he's going to destroy a planet. At least let them give him something good to look at last before they die. <laughs> they could look right up his his skirt and his loincloth. And, and I know by what I remember. I know this is right up your alley, hero. On the last oh, page, God. last page, the uh, third panel when he shows the people in the crowd. It's right yep. up your alley. Kirby drew ugly people. Beautiful ugly people. Yep. Yeah. Although you could tell he's doing that almost intentionally because that's the mortals. And then go back to where was that panel? Uh, well, no, well, the girl. Never mind. The guys are still ugly. No, never mind. It's all ugly people. Yeah, I'm going back all... to Tom, page eight. No, the woman. He's not drawing ugly, but those no, men. The woman are like... almost. The woman almost looks like Sue Storm. Yeah. A little bit. Or Alicia. They but the like... the guy the guy directly behind her looks like the Gibbon. <laughs> or the ringmaster. Well, to, be, to be fair, <laughs> Thor kind of looks like Sue Storm too. In certain angles. <laughs> this is the the very baby faced <laughs> Thor. With, with with baby-headed watchers, so it's all good. Yeah, that's how you defeat the puppet master. You bring Sue Storm, Alicia, and uh, Thor. Like I don't know which is my daughter. <laughs> I all look alike. This one puppet controls all three of them. <laughs> all right, so I guess it's time to to rate it. <clears throat> uh, I like the cover. I think Thor should be a little bigger on it. Otherwise, I'm pretty happy with it. If he was. If he was just a little larger, I think it would be... It might be like an A-. minus. Instead, I'm going to give it a B plus. The interior art... I really think the interior art is great. Uh, I'm going to give that just a straight-up A. And the story is, you know, it's kind of cool. Getting a, you know, a history of Galactus and, you know, not really feeling let down by it. And uh, I'm not going to rate it by the fact that they kind of tweaked it and changed it to make it even a little bit more epic as it went on. As presented at this point, I think it's a pretty cool story. So I'm going to give that a B plus, too. And overall, I'm going to give the book an A-. minus. All right, all right. I'll, uh... I'll follow up from that. Uh, I also enjoy the uh, the cover. It's it it's not a perfect cover, you know. It's not one of those iconic covers. Uh, it could be. It it could have been an iconic cover with some you know a little bit of fiddling. Um, sometimes the the photo collage, not photo collage, but the artwork collage on a on a cover makes it a little muddled. So I I gotta go just a, a solid B on that. I can't I can't go any higher. Uh, the interior art. I'm not as high on it as you are. Um, I think there's some, uh, some, some nitpicks that I have with it. Again, it, it it's Kirby art, so I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, but I, I got to go just solid B on that as well. I, I don't think I could go higher than that, even though it's stuff that I would prefer to look at over you know a lot of stuff from the time. 
and uh, the story. Uh, I get it. You know, other than the let's let's drop this epic story and go go to Earth. Just at the, you know the last page. Uh, I was thoroughly entertained by this, and again, not holding the the new continuity against it. Uh, I got to go with an A for the story. So. Um, I think if you round those all up, what does it end up being? Uh, I guess can it can it be a B plus? <laughs> can it be a B plus? Sure an A can. for the story and a B for the for the art. Sure can. Yeah, B B plus overall. And go. and and here's just just to throw in my thoughts on that because I don't think I've talked about this in quite a while. My thoughts are you can kind of take the total picture and run with it. It doesn't have to be an average of what you do with the other things because it could be a case where the total is much more than the sum of its parts or uh-huh. vice versa you know this is all you know the cover is good the artwork's good the story's good but for some reason I, you know i was disappointed with it or or vice versa you know everything's just average but when you put it all together it made it a great book i don't know you know so it's my, my point being it doesn't have to be an average all right then b plus for me yeah there's no school board you know judge you know checking out your uh, scores and figuring out how you got these averages they're exactly. not caring Exactly, and if it's something I can make fun of, I will, but that's besides the point. Yeah, nothing to make fun of in this one, really. <laughs> Overly make fun of, anyway. What but do you say, Al? All right, cover. Well, I do like Kirby collages, although I, I'm not as big a fan of the art ones as the, you know, the space ones. But it's not bad. I was thinking about it as I'm looking at it, as you're talking. It could be a bit muddled, and I do think it does help that it's all one color for the background, so it kind of blends in together until you actually start staring at it. So it actually does help, at least from distracting from the main image, which is Thor. Although I think, yeah, I agree, the, the Thor could have been a little more prominent. You know, even though, you know, there's the collage, we still could have had more Thor in there. But it's not a bad cover overall, so I'm giving it a B plus. The story, again, I'm trying to judge it based on itself. And to be fair, Galactus was more of a cosmic villain than a cosmic power back then. So when they retconned it later to be the you know survivor of a galaxy that you know the previous universe that works with the cosmic power Galactus, but this kind of origin, which is I mean in scale sl- scale down from that, but it's not exactly you know compared to Spider-Man's origin, it's still epic. <laughs> you know <laughs> that's just one kid. This is an entire planet's dying, so it fits more for this cosmic villain Galactus or cosmic reluctant villain Galactus. So it's enjoyable enough. I mean some of you know some of the parts are okay. Uh, of course, the end is like what the yeah. thermal man, but I wonder who were blame- But I wonder who can you blame for that? Really, is that Stan or was that the pages he got? That's is that what Jack did? <laughs> we'll never know. I mean, it kind of goes back and forth. Like if we're blaming Stan for that, then Stan wrote the whole thing. You know, if Jack actually did, you know, plot it all and draw the whole thing, well, then he's the one that kind of just said, and the story ends. But I do still have to give the art. Uh, well. Oh, I'm still in the story, but it's still decent. So I'm in the story a B plus, and the art I'm giving up an A minus at least because I love when not just alien stuff, but when Jack gets to create everything, and he's creating this whole world of Ta, all these, the architecture for this planet, the buildings, the way the, uh, even the Watcher's computer equipment. I'm looking at uh, the last panel on page 14. I love that when he's inspecting the uh, Galactus body before it's Galactus. Mm-hmm. And I just love the way he designs everything. So when Kirby gets to design new alien worlds and technology, it always entertains. It always drives it up for me because I love watch, re- looking at that. So I'm giving that an A minus. So I guess overall, it's a I guess B plus because there's more B pluses than minus than A's. So B plus total. I think we I think we all landed on B plus unless right. unless I'm remembering wrong from three minutes ago. <laughs> 
can't remember three seconds ago. So that's okay. Me too. <laughs> exactly. But that that's it for our Marvel book. We do not have a DC today, and as I mentioned, uh, Al is playing the role of Scott and going to steal Scott's book today. Why don't you take it from there? All right. Let's see how I do. So this is Pistol Fist, Re- Revolutionary Warrior number one from Alias Comics, I guess. Yeah, looks yeah. like I- Never which, even heard which I'm not familiar with at all. No. Uh, according to this, this, let's see which cover is this. Cover A. So the cover is by Joel Robinson. Story by J.S. Earls and David A. Flannery Jr. Uh, art by Andres Guidano. Colors by Jason Embury. Letter by Cal Natal. Editor Dwight McPherson. And I don't think I've ever heard of any of these people. <laughs> I haven't. No, no I, I definitely haven't. So this is chapter one, Give Me Liberty. Basically, this story is kind of two story, two uh, parallel stories. The first one is about Ben Franklin in 1775 uh, coming back to America. His wife, unfortunately, has passed away while he's gone, and he is quite depressed. And he goes home and sees his daughter. And uh, besides having to live without his wife and also apparently finding out that his son, who is married an English woman, um, a highborn uh, an English woman, I guess, of royal of some kind of standing. I'm assuming she is uh, not royal, but has some kind of uh, noble blood. Seems to be siding, you know, didn't come to the funeral because he's siding with uh, English in this upcoming war. His uh, diary, his design, his journal is also missing. And the other story is apparently a battle between revolutionary American soldiers and the Redcoats in Lexington. So I guess it's a battle of Lexington and uh, the soldier. Re- yeah. The Americans are about to be overrun when a man on a horse and a red and white mask shows up. Unfortunately, he gets his ass kicked by the overwhelming number of redcoats, taken prisoner, and he is revealed to be a runaway slave, uh, Salem Attucks, who is supposed to be the brother of Crispus Attucks, who is one of the first people in history actually killed for the American Revolution. <clears throat> uh, they bring uh, they, they bring a governor in. No, sorry, they bring a doctor in there. And the doctor apparently is forced to graft, or as well as they could graft in 1775, a gun to his hand. Oh, and by the way, we revealed that the person in, the person that is in charge of this prison where he is is the governor of the state, who is Benjamin Franklin's son, coinciding with the first part of the story. And at the end, he is still a prisoner, but he is visited by the ghost of his brother. To be continued. Weird. Not bad for somebody who just read this, you know, thirty minutes ago, basically. Not bad at all. <laughs> it's you know what? It's weird, and and you did a good job explaining that because there's there's actually a good amount of of text on these couple of pages. I was thoroughly sucked in from the beginning with this. You know, I've never heard of this. I, I never heard of it either. I was just when when I saw the title Pistol Fist, I was like, "What the hell is this thing?" And it's a strange, strange concept. But I think it's kind of a cool premise, especially for a hero from that time period. I mean, you don't want to get too scientificy if you're going back that far in time, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so just having a pistol grafted on is not quite you know the same as he was you know bombarded by some sort of cosmic rays or something. Ooh. Uh, but it's also interesting the way they kind of tie it into history. All that yeah. said, Scott and I had a little bit of a discussion on this one already, and he was not thrilled with it. He didn't dislike it, but he wasn't as he, he wasn't as excited by it after he read it as he thought he was going to be beforehand. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but effectively what he said was uh, it kind of seemed like uh, 
like they watch like like there were a couple of pages missing. Uh, that it just kind of they didn't give us enough of the character to make us care about when he went through this transformation. And I kind of tended to agree with that. I thought they they could have done a little bit more to let us know who this character was before he got overwhelmed by the redcoats and and brought prisoner. And I think yeah. that would have that would have made the transformation more, uh, you know, just just a little bit more effective and a little bit you know more resonant. Mm. I, and again, I haven't read anything past this, but um, it seems like they're with the way this first issue goes with the parallel storytelling. I wouldn't be surprised if they're doing one of those. Here's our first is- issue. This is the book, and we're going to give you all the backstories. You continue reading the book. That's very possible. That's, and yeah, this is the only thing I read also, so I don't know. Yeah, that's my assumption too. And I mean, yeah, I can see what he's saying definitely because I mean, he shows up in the beginning and like within two pages. He's captured already, and it's like, well, wait, why is this guy running around masked? And, you know, what are we doing with this, quote-unquote, superhero in the Revolutionary War? And to be a little harsh, why should I care? <laughs> Fair enough. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and I guess that's overstating it slightly, but that's kind of... If I'm, if I'm the editor of this book, I'm going to come back to the writer and I'm going to say, why should the readers care? you got to give me more of this character. you got to give me a little bit more beforehand to make him sympathetic. Yeah. And and I now, think I think the hook gets a little bigger if you do that. Yeah. Now I can see why. I mean, I'm not sure what the whole basic purpose of it. I can see a bit of why he's wearing a mask once he's a mask because he was an escaped slave. He's obviously going to get probably more cooperation if they don't know the color of his skin. So I can sort of see why he's wearing the mask. I'm still not seeing what, but I would like to see what made him decide to wear a mask. I'm also thinking he's going to get more cooperation now that when he points his, his finger at people, he can actually shoot bullets at Pistol fist. You know, people people put the phony handguns all the time, but now he's got the real one. I, one of the things I thought was interesting was at the end of the book, they actually have a page where it says fact or fiction. Yeah. Oh, uh, I like that, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that was very cool. It says, and I'm going to go over that quickly. First question, was Sa- Salem Attucks a real person? No. However, he was named in honor of two historical black soldiers, Peter Salem and Salem Poor. Was Crispus Attucks a real person? Absolutely. Born the slave of an African prince and a Natick Indian, Crispus was a runaway slave who was slain in the Boston, Mas- Boston Massacre. Uh, I blame you quick. for that, Kiro. Yeah, I, I wasn't there. <laughs> real quick, for anyone who hasn't reading this and just listening, you actually misspoke. He was the son of an African prince, not the slave of an African prince. I said slave? Oh, my mistake. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, That's... he was a slave, but he was not born... <laughs> Yeah, he was not born he was of a slave. The son, he was actually the son of them. He was, wasn't just the prince's slave. I stand corrected. Does the infamous Fort Ticonderoga truly exist? Yes. In the beginning of the French and Indian War, a fort was built on the Ticonderoga Peninsula, originally called Fort Carillon. It was renamed when the British captured it in 1759. Was Ben's friend Edward Bancroft really a spy? Definitely. The highly regarded Dr. Bancroft was hired by Dr. Franklin to spy on the British. The British, in turn, hired him to spy on the colonists. Years later, he even became a spy for the French. So apparently, apparently he was just for hire. Then we have, did William Franklin side with the British in the Revolution? Yes. After William Franklin married the high-born Elizabeth Downs of London, the British named him Governor of New Jersey. In return, he remained fiercely loyal to England throughout the war. Is there a reason Salem has blue eyes? I said the same thing while I was reading it. Yes, however, if we told you why, we'd have to shoot you. (laughs) So I guess they're going to explain that later on. 
Now, all those questions, all those little facts were great because they do fit in with everything that happened in the story. You know, Ticonderoga is very broad. You know, Chris Padaxon is his brother. Salem is the pistol fist. And I'm reading that. I'm going, wait, who the hell is Ben's friend, Edward Bancroft? Oh, yeah, that's the guy he's on the ship with. He calls him Edward once. That's it. Yeah. There was nothing about him being a spy. That would have been definitely, that was almost actually kind of confusing. So I'm like, wait, what is that about? I mean, not part of the story per se, but that probably been better put into another issue when we actually see him being a spy, I'm assuming, because otherwise it's kind of a spoiler. Mm. You know, or if, it's if just that's... shorthand and they just like, here you go, here's some stuff that we don't feel like putting in the book. Maybe. Or maybe, who knows? Or maybe he's not going to appear in the other issues and he's only in those two pages and they're like, well, we need to fill five more lines. Well, that guy was a spy. Really? Yeah, we'll put that in there. <laughs> I mean, I guess we'll find out if and when any of us read the rest of the issues. Yeah, honestly, I'm not sure I'm going to read the rest of the issues. And it's not because this sucked, but I didn't feel sucked in that I have to seek them out. And I don't have them. So I would have to affirmatively seek them. And I think that's the issue. I I probably will be because I, I do want to see where this goes. Plus, I, I don't... I'm kind of a sucker for when you put any kind of fictional story into the American Revolution in any way. Uh, um, I just, I dig that. You know, it's, it's just fun for me. <laughs> so, Well, if, this, do, if uh, this interested you enough to seek it out, I think, you know, then it's then it did its job. Yeah, this one certainly did for, for me. Um, besides, then the thing about the him having the blue eyes, I'm like, well, I mean, I asked that question as soon as they took the mask off. I was like, well, I got to see why, you know, it's probably not as interesting or grand as I'm making it in my head, but eh, let's see. I'm wondering just, I didn't do any research on this particular book to see, you know, how this series went. And I'm going to do that right now. I'm just doing a quick search on it. Uh, the Pistol Fist Comic Vine. Let's see what it tells me. Seven issues, apparently. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested enough. I'm definitely, I think. I, if I remember, I'm definitely going to at least look for number two. We'll see if I go further than that, but I'll, I'm curious enough to at least try and look for number two and see how that goes. Well, if you guys find it, you let me know, because I'm curious. I'll be curious to hear. All right. And then I'm, I'm looking here. There's, there's apparently a book. It says The Blackbeard Legacy versus Pistol Fist. Mm. So apparently they try to intertwine him into other historical events. All right. The only problem with being a pistol fist in 1775 is, isn't it, I mean, unless it's a new type of gun, isn't it still only good once and then that's it? <laughs> I don't know. It is crackling with energy on the cover, so who knows? And it does look very modern. So yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> let's, let's see how far afield they go with this. I, I guess, you know, in, in the world of comics, that's not asking you to stretch your... Uh, your imagination that far to think that they'd have a re you know they could create a reusable gun in his pistol fist just how do you how do you load it i don't know eat yeah. bullets <laughs> eat bullets and crap thunder basically yeah that sounds painful has that been is there, is there a superhero like that i'll write that what the one that eats bullets eats or bullets that, and crap thunder that, that's rocky it's like yeah, i was gonna say besides thunder. rocky yeah. yeah well you know I mean, no, he doesn't have a comic list, not that I know of, but he almost he almost had he had a G.I. Joe figure, so that counts. Yeah, no, no, he never quite got to that point. Oh, it was never produced? I, no. I remember seeing it years ago or knowing about it, but I didn't know it was in the In the first version of the um, the character handbook that Marvel put out, um, 
and I don't think that actually made it to print. He was supposed to be a character, and then the licensing fell through. So his design was basically changed to be a Cobra guy, and he became um, oh god, who was Big it? Bola? Big Bola. Big Yeah. So, yeah, that's what happened with that. I would have look if they had ever made a Rocky GI Joe figure, I would have had it. Well, they did. They did make action figures though. Much later, yeah, yeah. I mean, they even made the meat for crying out loud. The meat. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. I'm serious. No, I I know you are. I know. Yeah, you mean the slabs of meat from the beat up. You're breaking the ribs. Yeah. Yeah. They needed to have a four play set with the big log for him to carry. Okay, we're going so far afield that's telling <laughs> me it's time to rate pistol fist. <laughs> Since so Scott, why don't you go first? All right. L Scott. Cover- <laughs> yes. L Scott. Fitzgerald? I am the Scott. It's like the Cisco. Exactly. <laughs> Anyway, so cover. Well, I really do like the cover art. I mean, the interior art's okay, but the cover art's really nice. So I'm giving the cover an A. The cover's definitely eye-catching. You know, you got the nice uh, close-up of the face. With If you're looking close, you got, like, the little pictures of Ben Franklin, and, you know, showing up in there. You got the actual picture of him, Pistol Fist, with the nice crackling energy and the almost, almost Kirby-esque gun, although it's a little hard to see under the energy. Yeah. So actually, it's going to knock it down a little bit to A-. minus. But still, it's an actually a pretty nice cover. It's definitely eye-catching. It looks to be almost painted. Yeah, not quite, but almost. I think it's. I think it's. uh, I think it's. You know, compute. There's some compute. Some CGI stuff on here, especially the reflection of Benjamin Franklin on the mask. Oh yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that because that stuff I'm reflecting on the mask looks all like pictures from Revolutionary times. You know, drawings from that time. So, but it's doing its job. You know, it would do its job. It's eye-catching. You know, at the very least, if you're flipping through previews and you saw that, you'd be like, what the hell is that? Yeah. So that's what a cover should do. Get, you know, grab you. Story, like we said, story isn't bad. I'm intrigued enough to see more, but it's not the greatest. But I'm going to give it a solid B because it's not a bad story. The art, it's a little rougher than I usually like. And it almost feels like the person is pretty good, but not not. It kind of feels like the way indie books were years ago, where the people doing them were mostly almost good for the mainstream, but not quite. As opposed to like now, where people would just, you know, do the indie books on their own, and that's what makes them big. Like, you know, Jeff Smith with, with Bone, let's say. You know, you wouldn't look at it Bone and go, ah, that guy's eventually, he'll be good enough to be at Marvel. <laughs> you know, they, they're good, or Terry Moore. You know, they're good enough now on their own books. They don't need to graduate. This person does look like he's, you know, it's not bad. And I mean, God, still hands, you know, head and toes better. You know, head and shoulders, that's the word. That's the body of I'm looking for. Head and shoulders far above what I could ever do. But it still looks like somebody who, from back then, who was like almost ready to graduate to Marvel DC, but needs a few more years to percolate. So I'm going to give that a C plus. So overall, I guess, uh, B minus for the book. Not bad. No, not bad. But uh, I'm a little lower than you on this because... I like the artwork on the cover, but I feel like it's deceptive. It almost looks like it should be a horror book with the way the stitching is shown on the mask and everything. I don't think it really kind of tells you what to expect inside at all, other than the words Revolutionary Warrior. I think that's that's the thing that makes it, you know, makes makes you start saying, oh, maybe it's not a uh, horror book. But from the cover, I would think it was a horror book. <laughs> um, it's It's a good picture. Like I said, I just think it's deceptive. Especially, uh, I'm just adding to the horror thing is, you know, that lightning that's coming off the pistol fist and all. Uh, it definitely, 
I, I definitely think that would be my impression. So I'm going to give it a B minus just because I'd probably give it a B plus if I thought it was a little better designed. Uh, I'm not lowering it from B plus to B minus based on the artwork so much as just the concept. Uh, the interior art almost looks to me like uh, like an underground comic art at points, like the way Ben Franklin is drawn. Uh, it's not bad. The storytelling, I think, is pretty solid. But I think your description that that's a guy who's just not quite ready for prime time, I, I think that's fairly accurate. Uh, the facial faces are a little too cartoony at times for me, but they're not terrible. Uh, I think I think I'm gonna go B minus on the artwork inside as well. It's it's good. It's just not quite there yet. It could you know it could be with a little bit of a little bit of uh, cleaning it up. It, it could be pretty good. And then the uh, Story is intriguing. The premise is intriguing, but I feel like they lose a little something in the translation. And again, I think Scott's comment that it feels like it's missing a couple of pages is is right on the money. So I'm going to give it a C on the story because I think it could be a lot better. And overall, I'm going to give the book a B minus. All right. Um, with the cover, I, I actually think the cover is too busy. I think you had two minds here. One was. Uh, I want to see the whole character, and one is I want this striking picture of the mask. I think you needed to pick one or the other, because um, I think either one would have had more impact than superimpo- than imposing the character over his own mask. I think it's really muddied. Because um, just, I mean, if you think about just showing the, the whole character, well, with the flintlock in his right hand and the pistol fist in his left, and if you, you know, you could still have all that watermarking stuff behind it if you had just done with like a sepia tone, you know, something period appropriate with all of those uh, images that are there on it. I think it would have worked a little bit better. And I think it still would have been striking because there's enough color in pistol fists, you know, gold and blue and red and uh, all popping off the page. So I, to me, it's just too muddy for me to, to give it anything higher than a C. Um, I the interior art. Yeah. The interior art, um, other than sometimes the faces looking cartoony, it's it's pretty naturalistic. And to be fair, the draftsmanship for like the landscapes and the boats and the buildings, like that's all stuff that's pretty good. But there's also a lot of zero background where this, you know, you showed that you could do it. Um, but when there's anything where it's character action on screen, you've put all of your focus into that. And there's nothing behind it, um, which is, you know, it's it's a quick way to turn the art around. I get that. I would expect a little bit more myself. Um, that being said, it's the th- and it's a very thin inking style. Like it's, uh, I don't know if they just didn't have a great inker on staff, or if this person was like, "Don't you dare touch a line of what I drew," you know, and try to make it pop well, more. It, it's, it, we don't have an inker that's credited, so I'm thinking the pencil or an inker are one and the same. Okay, so, uh, fair enough. Um, I think with a little more polished, better on the inside, because, I mean, I think it's pretty it's pretty decent when he, the person's actually trying. Like, the overhead shot of Fort Ticonderoga looks nice. Like, I can understand the layout. Um, the clipper ship that's in the, in the bay when Franklin's coming into port looks nice. Uh, but then there's just panels where there's no effort given. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. so 
<laughs> and it's so I, I mean it's I liked the story a lot, so I'll get to that. But I mean the interior art too, I, I don't think I could go any higher than a C on that as well. There's nothing in here that I would wanna get a print of and put on my wall. So <laughs> And uh, they do kind of cheat with the um, racial reveal because uh, um, Pistol Fist is not black in most of those panels where his skin is exposed. Uh, so, uh, oh yeah, you're, of, you know what? I'm flipping back. You're right. A little bit of a cheat. Um, actually, it's a big cheat. So, yeah. But the story, um, again, it's it's not a perfect story, and it, it does seem like a couple pages are missing. That being said, it pulled me in enough with the historical aspect of it and the fact that let's introduce this absolutely way out concept into something that it has no business being in and, and stuff like that kind of tends to tickle me and and i am interested in seeing where this goes so i uh, like al i will be at least searching out the next issue to see if it uh can expand on on the promise of the premise that's here um if it's still kind of halfway going with its it's best stuff in the next issue that I probably won't read after that, but I do want to see what happens next. So uh, with the story, I'll give the story a solid B. Uh, so overall, it's it's a C book, but it's a C book that I, I do want to see what happens next. That's interesting. It's uh, that you, I actually rated it higher than you, and I'm really not that interested in seeking out more, <laughs> and yet you are. So it's just kind of... Ironic, I guess. I'm a rabble rouser, stirring the pot. I'm a rebel. I'm a lawyer, daddy. A rebel. <laughs> <laughs> right, so uh, you know, you know, it it's it really like I, as I look at the artwork in this, it just feels like an independent book, which it is. Uh, like, I almost I almost feel like it looks like an underground book, and particular when I look at the pictures of Ben Franklin, like his face just looks like an underground comic artist drew them. Actually, I'm thinking more. It's what page seventeen and eighteen, or eighteen and nineteen. It's the doctor that's going to be uh, forced to. I guess he's the one that put the pistol on. I mean, that guy's face looks like a uh, parody con, like a mad or something. Like he's not. It, it's not meant to look like a normal person. It does. It doesn't have enough detail. Yeah, it's, it's almost a little. You know, a little too clean. It would fit in if like everyone was drawn like that. Like that's the artist's style. But like everyone else looks more. In compared to him, normal and realistic, and then he's like, "Like, what's wrong with this guy? Like, this is what happens when you when siblings marry." <laughs> and that was a cousin. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of which, I'm just curious: Why does Ben Franklin's son look older than Ben Franklin? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, uh, forgetting the wig, I know they all wear the wigs, but look at his face. Like, I mean, I know like the guy really went all out and making this guy look evil, but I just want to say that like he looks older than his father. Evil, evil ages you. Oh, ages you. Yes, that's true. Exactly. Saw, I saw Star Wars. That's right. The Emperor. <laughs> Look what he did. <laughs> I'm only 12. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that'll do it for tonight's episode. Uh, thank you guys for stepping into Bill and Scott's shoes. They will want them back at some never point. never fill them. Oh, crap. I forgot to spray it first. Damn it. <sighs> it's like in the bowling alley. Exactly. Always bring your own shoes. And and who, hero? Who would have thought that Bill would have ballet slippers? He, well, he you know he treads lightly. If, if you have <laughs> ballet slippers or, or the wrestling uh, slippers, you, you no one will hear you. It doesn't matter what your uh, stature is. <laughs> it's a sneak away from the cat if it doesn't attack him. <laughs> All right, thanks guys for coming on. Uh, before Happy we uh, 
before oh, we leave, you guys want to just pimp your stuff? Oh, sh- sure. I'm on uh, this show uh, whenever Bill says he needs somebody and, you know, I'm the sucker. Uh, <laughs> I do the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror with uh, Chris. Honeywell and the Jack and Eddie brothers where we cover horror movies that we like sometimes we don't like I do uh, weekly heroics with Scott McGregor where we try to cover a lot of the comic book based TV shows mostly focusing on Legion and um, the Marvel Netflix stuff and uh, what's the other thing there Uh, preacher and I do cast protection which is a stranger things related podcast where I cover uh, every episode of the show and stuff related to it with Dave Atterbury and Jonathan Kreitz. And those are all on the true, true freaks network. Download them now. Convenient. <laughs> now. Al. Well, you can find me as one basic place to find me, at least right now, uh, resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Just look up, Adam Warlock or Thanos and whatever podcatcher you use, it'll pop up or go right to our site, uh, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. There might be some more stuff coming out for me later this year, but I'm working that out right now. So for now, I'll just say I might be having more stuff coming soon. Cool. What about the uh, other show? I haven't I hadn't seen anything come across for quite a while. I don't even remember the name of it off the top of my head. I'm sorry. No, that's but I, okay. But I, that's... but I am subscribed to it, and I haven't seen it come up for a while. Yeah, I have to do a uh, goodbye episode. Um, the person whose web- website it is, a friend of mine, he's kind of ending the site, and he's not sure if he's going to retool it or do something completely different. So that's what I was talking about. I'm actually taking one of the shows I was doing on there and just doing, um, giving that show its own feed and just doing that on my own. Okay. Well, we'll be we'll wait for more information on that one. So I and... just need to uh, get working on that and actually get caught up ahead because right now I just put out this Sunday's episode yesterday, which was Tuesday. So I figured, let me get, you know what, let me use this time to actually get caught up and get one show ahead, done ahead of time. So that way I can then work on a second. (laughs) Okay. Calendars work funny in your world, but thanks guys for coming on. I appreciate it. And thank you everybody for listening and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to our show. And we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Uh, hold on. I gotta stretch. Oh, my spine!